Welcome to episode 48 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Brian Jackson. This episode, we hung out with Floris Decker. You probably know him best from his Little Big Details blog and also his work at Etsy, where he's one of five design managers. He's an incredible, incredible designer doing some awesome stuff with Little Big Details. It was really awesome to have him on the show since he's usually in New York. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, also, those star ratings do help us move up in the charts and help new people find the show. So if you've been listening along for a little while or this is your first episode, uh, just pull out your phone or your computer and leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, it means a lot for us, helps us get in front of new people. So thank you so much. And of course, if you have feedback for us, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. The DMs are open. Yeah, our DMs are We've open. We've been getting a lot of DMs. It's been awesome. Yeah, if, if you want to meet up with Brent and I in San Francisco, you can hit us up as well. And then finally, we did launch spec.fm, which is a new network to help designers and developers level up. So if you go to spec.fm, you can listen to our partner show, Developer T. It's an amazing 10 to 15 minute podcast coming out with a few episodes every week. Uh, We love the work that Jonathan's doing on Developer T. So if you are interested in development or are currently a programmer, check out Developer T at spec.fm. Before we get into 48, Let's thank our sponsors. First sponsor, once again, Dropbox. Dropbox is a free service with a paid version that is just insanely big at one terabyte of cloud storage. We love it. We use it for everything. It's It's got sharing tools that are amazing. It's got commenting. It's got... It doesn't even matter what it has. It's just great. If you don't know already, Dropbox is a way to basically sync all of the files on your computer with all of your other devices keeps a backup in the cloud so if anything ever happens to your devices say they explode or drown in water your files will not die with it but it's not just for backup you can share with it you can comment with it you can sync it across multiple devices which is really helpful so it's a great all-around tool for computer users in general but uh they're actually working on really cool features explicitly for designers like commenting and file sharing and file previews for like psds and We really appreciate the work that Dropbox is doing and we use their product every single day. It's a wonderful tool. It's a must have if you are on a computer at all. Uh, But if you're a designer as well, it's going to make your life a whole lot easier. Uh, We really appreciate them supporting the design community and this show. Couldn't do it without them. So go check out dropbox.com. If you haven't signed up for some reason, you definitely should. And uh, thanks once again to Dropbox. Our second sponsor, back again, Icon Finder. Icon Finder is the largest source of premium vector icons on the web. They have nearing 600,000 icons in their library. They're adding thousands more every single month. It's 575,357 at this moment. Thanks for the fact check, Bryn. Icon Finder, uh, they have this massive library. So any kind of project you're working on, they're going to give you icons that are going to work in any software you're using, any kind of project you're working on. Uh, You just go big search bar, search for any icon you need. They're going to come back with tons of results that you can pick and choose from. Uh, They also have this service called Icon Finder Pro, and it's a monthly subscription. It's just nine bucks a month, and it gives you access to 25 downloads a month. Or you can sign up for Icon Finder Unlimited, which... Uh, as the name suggests, gives you unlimited downloads of these icons every single month. For about $29. And if you use our code at checkout, you'll save half off your first month of either of those. Just just use robots. What's the code? Robot. Thanks, Bryn. Robot. So check them out. Go to iconfinder.com. Robot. Use the promo code robot. 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 And you'll save 50% off your first month. We really appreciate Icon Finder making this episode possible. And with that, let's get into episode 48 with Floris Decker. What are you working on right now? 
Uh, working on Etsy <laughs> and, and uh, blog a little big details. Your senior product design manager. Yep, that's at that's, Etsy. That's a long title. It's a really long title. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> inefficient. So some people call it like design lead or something along those lines. Okay, cool. And how long you've been doing that? Um, I've been at Etsy you now in the same role for a, a year and like two months. How are you liking it? It's awesome. Uh, yeah, like I think uh, now I'm finally getting to the point where you know it takes a couple months to get onboarded and like you know get a good picture of things. So now I'm really yeah, it's good times. You were onboarded as a manager then. Yeah, yeah, like straight straight away. So there was also kind of like yeah, it was a funny experience. Oh yeah, why? Um, well, I think I was the first design manager to join the team as a manager, so that was a new thing. And then uh, yeah. I'd never worked for such a big company before. Like the biggest one was like 100 people. Etsy is now like over 700. So there was, you know, this is a change in like how things work and stuff. So uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. You like the bigger size? Um, I'm pretty agnostic about the size. I like the culture a lot, which is really awesome. And I think they had a similar culture when they were smaller as well. Yeah, and I like the projects and the reason we're doing it and stuff. And um, yeah, so it's, yeah, the size doesn't really bother me. No, it's, it's fine. So can you share some of the projects you're working on? Uh, yeah, so I work on um, a couple of different kind of teams. So one is called Growth. And um, inside the Growth team, we have like a, yeah, like a bunch of uh, a bunch of growth-related um, kind of like product development teams. And then we're kind of thinking of localization, um, which is actually the product development team that we're building here in San Francisco. And they're working very much on like um, localizing uh, basically like the Etsy experience across the world. Um, and then I work on a, one-person team called Brand Product, which is um, basically a small product development team that we're basically embedding in our brand studio so that we can, um, yeah, basically like build another bridge and kind of like really help them uh, whenever they do something like digital and like have, have the people there for them to um, to work with them. That's for like clients or customers of Etsy? Uh, no, that's like for like uh, all the kind of like marketing projects that we do, like branding projects. Like um, mm, I see. There's this thing that we do like every year called the progress report, which is basically like this super uh it's like, very well produced yeah it's very well produced there's like i don't know it's like 200 pages or something about like every single little thing you want to ever know about etsy and the impact we have on the planet the people that work there and the community in general and um yeah that's always like a, a big production to get out the door so last year i think we did a pdf and this year we had like um yeah pretty awesome like kind of like just like responsive web experience so it was like a lot easier for people to use um yeah that's kind of th- those kind of things just taking it forward like one step at a time cool and Maybe just we can go back in time a little bit. Like, where did you come from and what were you doing before this? Yeah. Um, so I think I started on design during school. I studied it actually. I think it was called multimedia and communication design. Um, it was mostly a marketing kind of school. So actually, the first design lesson I had, I specifically remember, I was like, oh, this sounds so dumb. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is actually like a lesson I'm attending. Um, but then, like, uh, yeah, just sort of kind of ignored it for, like, the first two years of school, just kind of focused on the marketing part of it, and then started freelancing, because uh, I was doing, like, a thousand Photoshop tutorials online. It was kind of fun. You so were writing like, them, or you were doing I was them. just doing them. I wasn't okay. writing them. Uh, and I was like, this is cool. Like, I'm really good at Photoshop now. I should probably make some money with this. <laughs> cool. Uh, so I started, like, for all the wrong reasons. And then, uh, yeah, I became really interested in, like, um, like actual solving problems. So then... Um, yeah, I got better at that through freelancing, um, moved to Sweden, started there for half a year. I started actually like art direction and more like the, yeah, I would say better kind of design education, which is probably also why I was a little more interested. And then um, 
yeah, went back to the Netherlands and then did a bunch of internships. And then right after I graduated, moved to Berlin. Um, so I'm initially, originally from Amsterdam. So I moved to Berlin to start a, a small design studio with a few friends from Amsterdam. Um, it was a pretty pretty wild, uh, wild thing to do because we literally didn't know anything about Germany as a country or um, starting a company. So that was uh, it was really um, yeah really intense. And then so doing doing that for two and a half years, uh, one of our clients was actually Etsy, which is also like kind of go way back. And then um, so you didn't the, do too poorly then. No, you had some pretty point, big clients. Yeah, at some point we did pretty well. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes I would <laughs> we were quite young and uh, especially we looked really young. So we'd uh, we'd walk into like the meetings with clients that just like signed a contract with, and they would literally ask like uh, they would ask me like, oh, you're the intern like who's like here. To, <laughs> Like, when is your boss coming in to kind of, like, help us? <laughs> where are your parents? Yeah, where are your parents? And I was like, um, I'm going to, you hired me to do this thing. Like, you hired us to do this thing. And it was, it was quite funny. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and then um, then uh, after two and a half years, um, we started thinking a lot about building our own products. So we did a bunch of, like, data visualizations. We hosted a few conferences. Um, and then uh, we actually wanted to, like, kind of, like, a startup product idea. So then we came up with this idea to um, basically create a marketplace for things to do. Uh, and in a very like peer-to-peer kind of um, yeah like collaborative consumption kind of way and that uh, there was like a marketplace we spent building for I think two and a half years so we did all the fancy things with um, you know raising money and giving talks everywhere and getting crazy media attention and getting that thought leadership all that thought leadership uh, <laughs> all the hot started lists and stuff and then um, yeah that was really fun learn a ton uh, so we grew the team to like 13 14 people and then uh yeah, we got Ecker hired by uh, like a bigger company. And then uh, I was the head of design there for a year. The company was called Get Your Guide. And then... Um, Get Your Guide? Yeah, Get Your Guide. And then my wife really wanted to move to uh, to New York to work at Kickstarter. That's where she works now still. And then, uh, yeah, it was basically like, she'd probably follow her. So <laughs> now we're here. You were married Thanks. at the time? Uh, mm, was it? No, I wasn't. No, no. Oh, no. wow. So that was a big transition then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I got married later. Yeah, yeah. And no, we got married later. We got married in Canada. She's Canadian, so. <laughs> wow. Okay. So um, we always ask people that come from Europe, like what they notice the differences between designing over there and designing over here. And certainly, you have a different perspective than us uh, working on the East Coast. So, like, what have you seen, kind of, now that you've gone through the whole spectrum? Uh, <laughs> I'll try to not make any like ridiculous uh, generalizations. Um, Broad strokes, yeah. Yes, yeah, it all has to be general. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what are the differences? I mean, I think when I was still, uh, when we were, for example, really thinking a lot about interaction design in like Berlin, we were definitely one of the few, I would say, studios or agencies doing it there. I think Berlin in general is very much like a print design kind of um, city. Uh, and most of the digital kind of was either, you know, like agencies or like um, like some office from Nokia that works on like map, maps or something. Uh, like, was like even Spiegelman or whatever? But it was in a speaker mind. They were actually one of the few that um, there was in Berlin, but honestly, they're based all over the place. So it wasn't really like, but yeah, they, they are still in Berlin. I think they've actually grown a lot You more. mentioned Nokia and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They've uh, done a lot of work for them. They used to actually be very like print or print focused as well. And now I think they've yeah. grown more into like the, the digital world. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, what else? So then that's a big difference. Um, I think school education is very different in Europe. Uh, like if you look at here, like, um, you know, like in, like in New York, some of the schools that, that I visited, like SVA and stuff, uh, I think it's a very different approach and kind of like probably at the much higher level in terms of uh, actually thinking about like product design and stuff. Mm. Um, that's definitely something that I think, um, yeah, is a lot harder to get through like good education in, in uh, yeah, in 
I think in, in general, like uh, in a lot of places in Europe, not everywhere, but in general. Gotcha. We know a lot of designers from the Netherlands. Like it's kind of impressive. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole, whole, whole bunch spread across like a bunch of cool startups, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a surprising quantity given like how, how small the uh, yeah. country it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, it's hard, hard to answer that one. Um, yeah, I guess also once you have the small design community of people that are super interested in actually like, you know, doing like a high level of, uh, I think product design, uh, I think it just kind of creates like this this environment, and there's all these people that organize things as well. I think uh, the Made by Sofa guys. I don't yeah. know if you met. Them. Yeah, they, they I think were definitely acquired by Facebook, right? Yeah, they got acquired by Facebook. I think, um, and before that, they were always like super active and like building kind of like you know helping build the design community in Amsterdam and stuff. So I think there were a lot of kind of like kind of like earlier people like that that made a really awesome example of like how to do that kind of work. And I think it definitely created kind of like a like a wave of followers. <laughs> gotcha. And so why was the decision made? to start a new design team in San Francisco for Etsy? Uh, good question. Um, I think we've always wanted to have um, like a product development office here in San Francisco. And um, yeah, like anything we do with Etsy design is a, is a really important part of, of any product development that we do. So um, yeah, I think we, you know, we just, um, I think it's like, a, like we all realize that's a, that's a really important thing to have here. But why, like, why is that important? Why, why not just have even a smaller organization in the New York office or or even a separate building there like yeah, why yeah. why is it important to have it on the west coast uh, I can't talk to you too much because I wasn't involved like in those decisions um, but uh, yeah I mean right now it's really it's really awesome to see like um, you know how the team is building up here and just like um, kind of like the very similar but also like slightly distinct culture and stuff which is I think really awesome and I think it really helps as well the yeah I think the Brooklyn office to, uh, to develop by like learning from the people that that are from here and like have experience with it, working with the companies that are here and like all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely like a really good thing. Um, yeah, I mean the exact logic. I'm sure there's like a million reasons. Uh, sure, it's hard to tell. So you're going to be doing a lot of traveling back and forth. Uh, yeah, I've been doing a fair amount. Um, definitely plan on doing a little bit more of it. Um, yeah, I'll probably come by like every every month or two. Um, something it's a lot. Like, yeah, it's. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I really like visiting, so it's not like a it's not like a chore or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, your other big project is little big details. Yeah, uh, yeah, been doing that for I think almost five years or more than five years. Um, yeah, that's that's been uh, it's been really fun. <laughs> so, how did it get started, and like, what's the origin story? Uh, origin story. Uh, well, I was still living in Berlin with all my friends, working and um, living in the same apartment. Although we did have an office, so we didn't work in that apartment, but we lived together. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think one night I was just like totally bored and then uh i realized we kept talking about these small little like interactions and i kept looking at them and wanting to do it for like clients that we had and i was like keep forgetting about them and they'd be like oh yeah this thing i should have done and i was like I'll, sh- I'll just make like a dropbox folder for myself put all those things in there and i was like next time i have a client that needs anything like this like i'll show them the example and they'll like <laughs> think like this is great um so that's how i started and then i was like i should put a tumblr because i think tumblr was kind of like up and rising mm-hmm. I was like, this will be really easy. I'll just put it, I'll just post these things to Tumblr. Uh, so I tweeted about it. Literally nothing happened in the first couple of weeks. And I was like, I'll just keep posting. Like at least like two friends are reading it. So I'll just keep doing it. And like at the end, nothing, nothing. Like two months later, I think um, Tina, I forget her last name, the, the lady from Swissness. Swissness. Yeah. yeah. She picked it up in a pretty uh, big way. So then uh, as soon as she did the one tweet about it, I think I actually submitted it to her. Yeah, I did submit it. I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to try, try and make this thing work. Uh, <laughs> So I, I sent it around to a few people and she picked it up and then it was just like, 
yeah like crazy uh like kind of like it just got shared like an insane amount uh and then one day i was just like hundreds of tweets uh i remember specifically trying to reply to all of them or like favoriting them <laughs> it was pretty funny i was like gotta build this community um <laughs> yeah. and then uh yeah it was pretty uh yeah pretty intense couple of weeks after that and then it just kept growing it's, it was really awesome actually for the design studio like because it just created a lot of attention around us and stuff um that's cool yeah how many details are on there now um i have no idea but it's probably quite a lot uh definitely there's been a few months where i haven't done it like on and off kind of um for just like personally being too busy um i keep trying to get people like to do it with me and then <laughs> they usually do it for like a month or two and then they're like okay this is boring um so definitely is a lot of discipline you yeah, have to keep it running and um yeah i keep trying to find people to help me like run it basically so for the most part you take submissions right and then curate them up there yeah so that's um about i think about what what was it? I think less than less than five percent of the submissions actually makes it to the blog. Okay. Um, so you basically Mine made like, it up there. Whoop! Made that's it. Awesome. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Bryn's been bragging about it since I got home. So. That's cool. Literally like five minutes ago. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that takes a long time, right? You have to do it like twenty submissions for every post that you make, and say like no, no, no. And the Tumblr interface is pretty like pretty um, gruesome to go like Oof. to use. So yeah, using the Tumblr interface for a lot of that stuff, it gets a little bit on your nerves. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like, um, yeah, that's pretty much all the work that you're involved in having like, like some sensibility towards like what good experience looks like and then choosing what you think is it something that's actually like better. We don't post like um, bad things. It's more like things that are inspiring kind of. So they could also be maybe a bad thing, but then at least it's like inspiring to kind of like make you think about it in a different way. What do you mean by a bad yeah, thing? Uh, there's a lot of, I would say like negative kind of like UI patterns that are just like creating I think a bad user experience oh like dark patterns and stuff uh, oh including dark patterns uh, also things like like completely useless like animations or completely like uh, I mean a lot of like useless things but also things that are just like not helpful at all like like a really aggressive error message or something that one person finds funny but majority <laughs> of people just find very offensive I don't post those things <laughs> I would pretty much only post things that I think either look like a good idea or will inspire other people to make it into a good idea <laughs> alright get behind that um, a lot of people ask like why are these small details important a lot of them are sometimes little visual polishes or animation polishes or stuff uh, how do you see that from your perspective like are these just kind of extras or do you feel like these are the things that make products great? Um, yeah, that's also. I only post a little bit of details when they have an actual. Um, I think when they have to some degree an impact on like the emotions of the user or like the way something works and stuff. So I think um, there's definitely like polish in design in terms of like having really smooth animations and things like that. I usually don't post those because um, yeah. And surely those will have a nice effect on the UI, but they're kind of hard to explain and hard to, um, yeah, no, I kind of I kind of focus on things that kind of like change the way something works for the better, but it can be in a small way. Um, so yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, but I think um, I think it's not really about polish, little bit details. It's more it's more about like the uh, slightly making something work a little bit better. Yeah, and I think those things do have a big impact. And if you do a lot of those things, I think both in terms of branding, but also in terms of um, yeah, just kind of user sentiment, I think can make a huge difference. Um, especially when you have these these certain kinds of app that have like, like kind of like an Achilles heel, like an, one kind of error message that always keeps happening to the same group of users. And if you then manage to turn that into like a positive experience, I think there's like a huge, um, yeah, there's like a lot of potential there. Have you managed to take some of those learnings to Etsy and incorporate anything? Uh, yeah, I also sometimes post stuff from Etsy, so that's fun. Uh, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't post things that I do myself. Uh, 
but yeah um surely we've done um we've done a few things yeah that were definitely um you know inspired by the stuff that's on little big details or um should be on little big details <laughs> yeah but it's kind of uh you know these things the way they end up being is always like it's more like you look at it and you think oh that's cool we should do something like that it's not that you're going to copy it one on one so it's kind of probably hard to refer it back to this thing that was on little big details but we do sometimes send this stuff around. It's just like another way to like look for specific ideas around some kind of feature that we're building. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. You got nominated for Webby recently. What, yeah, was, that, was, what was that whole thing like? Uh, yeah, that was kind of, I don't know. It's kind of a weird experience. So yeah, um, they wanted me to submit it and they were going to let me submit it for free because normally you have to pay for such a thing. Um, really? I'm really, yeah, yeah. Submissions are paid for the, for the Webbies. Uh, like it's 150 bucks or something. Uh, so and there's a lot of submissions and that's a revenue model i guess um so i'm not really into awards there's like a saying um there's two things in the, sorry uh, <laughs> they say uh there's a couple of things in the world you don't want to see how they're made they're laws and sausages but i think awards are the third one um so that's pretty much how i think about awards in general <laughs> but uh yeah i think you know for some reason i got excited about it and i was like i should promote this uh that's probably one of the only things i regret with little big details is trying to promote some arbitrary award and trying to win it uh and then actually not winning it which is like the saddest thing <laughs> uh, so yeah that was a huge waste of time and yeah that's not something i'm ever gonna do again you don't <laughs> think even just being submitted and on the on the pages and stuff got you more attention um the submission part there was probably worth the effort uh that's totally fine uh but honestly like if you're not promoting it yourself then no one would even know about it mm. and honestly it doesn't change yeah did it get me more attention i don't really think so uh, no, I don't. I didn't see any traffic changes or anything like that. So uh, the only attention I got was by spamming it on Twitter, no, like <laughs> sending a few notes, sending a few messages. About Is, isn't it still the pinned tweet? Is it? Oh man, I should change that. Uh, <laughs> I think it might be <laughs> rookie move. That's Decker. Decker. Exactly. Rookie that's, move. that's why I feel so bad about it. I was just like using all my all my tools. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Mm. So did you build it as like a a resource for people as like a research thing, or do you know what people use it for the most? Um, I get emails from people telling me that they like it a lot and it inspires um, a lot of the decisions that they make. Um, I get people that email me about like, I'm working with the CEO that's like, doesn't understand design and I sent him to your blog and now he's like all about it. And, like, <laughs> and he's like, now he gets it. He gets what little way, like. <laughs> if one CEO gets design for five minutes, I think you win. Yeah, <laughs> so those, are the, those are my favorite emails where people are like, this blog, I use that to convince someone that like little things do matter. <laughs> that's awesome, yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's probably my favorite part. Um, and I think, you know, a ton of people just, just copy everything on there. Um, that's also fine. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't know that much actually. I don't, I don't meet that many people that actually like tell me about how to use it. Interesting. Do you have a favorite detail? Favorite detail? I think one of the oldest ones that was like also one of the most popular ones is the one in Gmail where you, uh, where you say the words like, um, see attachment or something there's like a couple of different ones mm -hmm. in there and yeah it has this really simple pop-up that's like hey you said you had an attachment but there's no attachment and i think it's just a very ingenious thing and now it's kind of something we take for granted and most email clients have it but i think when it i think came out and that's the kind of thing once people realize that they get so excited yeah. like they're like oh my god you saved me this huge embarrassment like even if even if they don't actually get embarrassed and they just put it there for like to just use those words they're still so thankful that like someone's trying to prevent them making a mistake and it's just teeny tiny pop-up right it looks at a few like words like like word strings um so yeah that was definitely a good one it still gets submitted like every single week and it just like it's on there <laughs> i get it guys i want to know who made that that product decision because that is really smart 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. So also on Lilbit, we only post things once. So um, this one was posted probably like three or four years ago, uh, and you know, no one's gonna go back in time and like look for <laughs> the mm-hmm. details. So sometimes I also think maybe we should post things more than once. But um, yeah, that's kind of policy. Just pin one <laughs> to the top. <laughs> that's policy. It's your own policy, dude. Yeah, I, made, I, made I can't whole, change it. Okay, <laughs> I, I made it's a whole, set in stone. <laughs> the higher ups won't let me, man. <laughs> the boss won't let me. Uh, no, I made a whole list of all the things that because I was trying to get all these people to collaborate on it. Actually, Andrew McCarthy. Um, I should give him a big shout out. He um, he's he used to be a designer at um, not completely blanking on name. This designer sharing tool uh, that stopped a while ago uh, for just sharing your designs and stuff. Um, Oh yeah, Layer Vault. Uh, they also do this thing called Designer News. Uh, uh, not anymore. But they uh, did. not anymore. Yeah. So I guess I did the thing. Uh, so Andrew McCarthy, he he is he was the designer for that, and he um, he held like a ton with Lobic details, and he, nice. he probably like at least for a year or something worked on it with me. Um, so yeah, I made a little list of like all the things that we believe in. One of them is that I never express any opinions in any of the any of the content on the site, which I think a huge part of its success because. Um, I think it would just make it very annoying because it's actually quite the opposite point of the whole blog. It's like, um, yeah. Without comment, so to speak? Uh, yeah, just say what it is. And then it's up to you to... Like, this is in fact this. <laughs> yeah, this is this. Like More like as a clarification of like, just in case you're not understanding what the image tells you uh, or the video, this is what it is. Uh, that's it. And Interesting. Then people can juke it out in the comments if they want. Wait, uh, why do you think that made it more successful? Um... Because, well, one, I probably would put a lot of stupid opinions there, especially early on, <laughs> yeah. which would just upset people and yeah. make people think it's no a rubbish. No one has stupid opinions. <laughs> they would probably just think it's a rubbish blog. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, for people that are extremely good at their work or people that are extremely bad, you can't really disagree with little big details because, um, you know, there's no opinion. So I think everyone can enjoy it the way it is. Um, so even if people are a lot better at me at thinking about design and why things are better or worse, um, they still get to enjoy it without me, you know, pissing them off. <laughs> Interesting. See, a neutral curator. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think it was a good. It was a good policy. <laughs> Tumblr Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of it's like the Tumblr's. Yeah, it's like the Switzerland of Tumblr's. <laughs> <laughs> Titles. Switzerland of Tumblr. Uh, so what's else? What else is going on uh, for you in? I guess the broader design world that you're excited about um besides your garden yeah besides my garden uh, uh, that's a design project that's definitely a design project <laughs> uh yeah i mean in the design world it's a good question i think um i think generally i have really liked i think a more focus towards actually solving problems through design in the last couple of years rather than um i think it was two or three years ago i got pretty frustrated about the whole dribble kind of like uh, and the super high uh, high fidelity glossy like icons for apps and that kind of stuff like there was kind of like I don't know there was I think like a, a pretty dark era for whatever people thought product design was uh, I mean I don't also like I mean it is what it is and you know you gotta do those things I guess people tell you to do it but um, yeah I definitely didn't like that part uh, and I think now you know yeah I think people are a little more serious also when you speak to candidates and stuff during interviews and I think there's a lot of people gonna really get and I think partially because there's so much writ- like so much good writing happening, there's podcasts like these that are really I think helping people kind of <laughs> helping people understand uh, you know what it actually what design should actually be about uh, when you're doing it you know, in a way that's actually making something better. And so for you, that's just solving problems. Um, yeah, I mean to a large degree, um, less about appearance and more about utility. Is that what you're getting at? Uh, I think appearance can solve problems too. 
Uh, so it's kind of I'm I'm pretty I, I'm pretty neutral. I'm, I like both. I think both are important. Um, I would just say yeah, making things work better. I guess that's a better way to put it than just solving problems. Uh, so you make it work better. You're clearly solving a problem as well. So okay. Do you miss doing IC work? Or are you still getting to actually kind of build these projects? Or uh, I sneak in some IC work once in a while, um, <laughs> which. <laughs> But it ends up being pretty bad as he work because <laughs> I have too little time for it, yeah. and uh, it just turns out to be pretty like a pretty hilarious scene where all my reports just look at me like, oh god, this guy. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. But I try to do it once in a while just to kind of one experience what it's like to be an IC designer and kind of understand the workflows they have to go through. Uh, so yeah, I like it for the empathy part, and I like it for um, yeah, like. A bunch of learning things but it's definitely not in any way to add more value add more value to etsy uh it's very much for learning i guess the learning the value is added through learning but not for doing actual work itself one of the cool things that came up when we talked to cap watkins was like his approach to management as a design problem as well i'm curious to hear how like maybe you've approached management like if that's a something that you're trying to design for or, like even just your approach managing teams um, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at design in the broadest sense of the world, um, you know, anything you organize or arrange in any way or a plan for is basically, you can call it design. So in that sense, sure. <laughs> I think we're all designing all day. Uh, I, I am pretty convinced that everyone is a designer. Um, it's just that some of us tend to be getting paid for it. And um, I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, why do we even call it design anymore? Yeah. If, if the definition of design like includes so many people, it's like, it's like seeing everyone's human. That's really exciting. Good title, guys. <laughs> I want to get paid to be human. Yeah, I that's think what, uh, that's what you are. <laughs> I think in like the in the industry, I guess design is just something that um, you know, at the point where it includes something visual um, or something that's like you know um, requires some kind of like technical knowledge about something or something along those lines. I think that's when we kind of start calling this like design as a profession. Um, but yeah, I think you know. It's just a very, it's a very broad, it's a very, you can, yeah. you can put a lot of things under that one word. Uh, sure. So how are you approaching that with, with managing things? Um, you know, I think as a manager, I'm all about setting up uh, designers to make good decisions. Um, that's pretty much most of my, most of my focus. Um, so I don't make any decisions for any designers at any point. Uh, but I will, you know, challenge some of those decisions and, um, you know, really help them make good ones and make sure they learn how to make good decisions themselves and like really kind of growing that instead of, you know, trying to um, make decisions for them, which is something that surely would, you know, lead to, I think, the same amount of mistakes and uh, a lot less of a happy and productive team. <laughs> right, right. Have there been any, have you like ramped up to this sort of insight and way of working or was that sort of an intuitive way of managing for you? Uh, no, I think when I first got into management, which is oddly enough, most of my career, because I have only ever like, I guess either start a company where you by default are the manager. I would say that was hardly management, but I was employing people and uh, paying them for their work. Uh, so I guess it's some degree of management. Uh, but no, I was pretty much more the, the kind of the creative director type where, um, yeah, I pretty much thought the most important thing in the world was to um, realize my amazing vision by uh, <laughs> letting everyone listen to it and like <laughs> making sure they do it exactly the way I want it. Um, so I think gradually over the in, in probably in the course of like from the beginning of the studio to the end of the um, the startup, uh, I think I've pretty much completely transitioned out of that way of thinking. Uh, that took me a couple of years. Uh, that's not easy, especially if you're like 
a young brat, <laughs> which I was very much. Uh, yeah. What designers don't start out as geniuses? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. can't all be like super famous Johnny Ive rock star. I know that's the ego problem, right? I mean, I'll tell you one thing that I think um, what I, when I read about Johnny Ive, he understands pretty well is that. Um, you have to be, uh, I think as a manager, some managers, there's like a spectrum of like caring about the details and only caring about the big picture. And a lot of managers, they kind of like take a block of that. So they say, I want to focus on the big picture and I want to focus on things that are like reasonably small. And some managers say, I care only about the very small things. And like whenever, I do want to kind of know why you're doing it. But like, that's pretty much it. Uh, for me, actually, like I really try to focus on the very, very side of like, the big picture and then the very side of like the the small details kind of would you say the little big details the little big details <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the uh so i middle, feel like there's a trend here <laughs> yeah yeah i'm totally totally uh yeah so the middle part is actually the part where i probably care least about or not in a sense like i probably focus least on that uh and that i think is really you know i think as a design manager um you know, if you're not caring about the little big details, then um, no one else is gonna. This is all just one big plug. <laughs> yeah, it's all one big plug. Uh, gonna get so much traffic, com. dude. This is yeah. performance theater. <laughs> it's totally it. Uh, no, so I think, um, yeah, that's that's a, that's a definitely a big uh, a big part because I think the middle part um, by default kind of sorts itself pretty well. And I think if you're an individual designer, you know, by default you're going to like think a lot about the the middle the middle of that spectrum and uh, the small things. Do you feel like most? ICs that you work with are ignoring like the small details and you have to nudge those or do you feel like people are pretty intuitively like paying yeah. attention to the polish I feel um, like yeah. maybe people rush through that sometimes um, yeah I mean I think you know I think the intention is there to make sure all the details are super well taken care of yeah. uh, and I think you know sometimes you it's hard to pick them up or uh, it's hard to, to pay attention to all those details yourself because you're doing the work so in your head you'll start making these concessions and stuff I think that's also really nice uh, about having a, a manager that cares about those things. So you always know that like there is someone that's going to care about it and there is someone that's going to see it, which means your body falls going to spend more time on it and like look at it more yourself. So it's basically more like a way of saying like, yes, this is important and yes, I will look at it. Uh, but it doesn't mean that, you know, it should change the way they, um, they prioritize their design hours, but it's more like they should know that it matters. Yeah. Uh, Do your designers ever just submit their own stuff to little big details? <laughs> no, not yet uh, <laughs> don't give them any ideas no, okay <laughs> okay Etsy's gone through some really incredible talent is there a particular reason I know you guys you mentioned you're like out here doing some recruiting and stuff what is it that like draws people to Etsy um I mean I think one uh is that I think we have I mean yeah mm, I don't say it's without in any way bragging about anything uh I think no opinions no opinions. design Switzerland <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, the, well, I think, of course, like Etsy as a company, I think is one thing. And then it's like the design team of Etsy. Um, I think they're kind of like inherently, you know, they're related to each other. So I think the, uh, the, the company itself, I think has a very clear mission and what we're trying to achieve by growing it. So I think that feels pretty good. And um, like, I think we're all very much on the same boat of like why we want to make Etsy bigger. Um, so that's a really awesome thing. I think that definitely, you know, draws a lot of people in and even people that work there, um, you know, it definitely makes me happy to walk to work with a smile, knowing that like, you know, we're gonna make a really like a positive economic impact on, uh, you know, people that can uh, work on their something they're really passionate about and their craft in a way that, uh, yeah, it's, it's really easy to do. Um, and then the other part is um, the design team itself, which I think 
I think once you have like a group of talented people working together on interesting problems, um, I think it just kind of like creates an environment where, uh, yeah, just attracts something more talent. Um, and that's definitely the kind of uh, the kind of team it is. So, how many designers are there now? So I think in total we're about thirty product designers. And uh, out of seven hundred, out of seven hundred, <laughs> and uh, I think uh, we have five managers. So uh, I'm one of the five. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's uh, the product design team, and then we have a brand brand design team as well. Okay. What else are you interested in right now? Um, I'm very active actively gardening this summer. That's something I've never done before. What's, um, what's the reasoning there? I think it was early this summer and I was like, I really need a hobby. Uh, and I was like... Just out of nowhere? Just, just, I was just like, any I, hobby? I just really need a hobby. <laughs> so then I was like, hmm, what should I do as a hobby? And then um, I don't know why I chose gardening. I think, yeah, I know. I just started reading a bunch about it. I got really interested in it. Um, I think growing your own food and being able to share it and cook with it and eat it. Uh, so I was like, that sounds fun. I should just do this. Uh, and then I spent way too much money on buying planters and all that kind of stuff. I've been in exactly that place before. So like <laughs> any, anything in particular, like you're enjoying growing? Um, well, now the tomatoes are coming through. So that's pretty awesome. It took a long time. Yeah, I like, I like the habit. So every single morning, you know, you water your plants, you have your whole rhythm every single day. Um, there's a lot of discipline there. And I, I like kind of like that building up that, that habit of discipline. Uh, it's kind of the same with little big details where it's just like, the discipline of doing it over and over and over again. Last time you watered little big details was... Uh, last time I watered little details, yeah, that's been way too long. So I feel maybe the gardener is taking some of my discipline away. Yeah, uh, you need more hobbies, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's definitely a thing, yeah. Um, yeah, those things are hard to keep up over the years. But um, yeah, you know, once in a while you find your you find the, the spark again to keep going. So little big details probably will be, you know, we'll be updating it soon again, for sure. Uh, actually, little details in the middle of it, it changed a lot. So I didn't talk that much about it. But um, I used to actually really use it as a way to like pay my rent and stuff, uh, especially when I was living in Berlin because I had some ads on it. And Berlin, really? is, Berlin is like dirt cheap, so I could literally just pay my rent from it. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have any ads on it now. <laughs> yeah, no. So I just, I think about a year ago, year and a half, um, we actually had a really awesome sponsor, Balsamic, uh, who was super awesome. But then I just decided that I was way too stressful to deal with any kind of sponsorships or ads. And there was completely not the point as a block to try and make money off it. So I was like, this is going to be 100% nonprofit. Um, and it'll literally just be a blog. Uh, so I took away all the ads and everything. Uh, and um, I think the only sponsor we have left is MailChimp, who lets me send newsletters for free, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, it's like, that's that was a pretty big change. And I think it just saved me some time working on it. And um, yeah, this made it more clear like why I was doing it, which is, which is good. Did you ever think about going the opposite direction and being like, wow, I'm actually making money from this. How can I turn this into a business? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I also decided I was just not interested in making money off it. I think I was at the bridge where I was like, should I try and sell it or should I like um, keep doing it for free? Uh, I did actually think about that one for at least a week. Uh, and then I was like, this is absolutely not going to make me any more happy to sell it. People so, were trying to buy it? Yeah, it's all in any, any blog, I think, that's like gets more than like a certain amount of visits. Uh, people, I don't know what they would, for, I don't know what they would do with it, but probably nothing good. Uh, so... Yeah, no, that was not my. Uh, yeah, there was. I, I just figured that wouldn't wouldn't make any sense. Can you share how much traffic you're getting? I don't uh, know if you're like secretive about that. No, I actually post my stats like up to three years ago or two years ago. I just posted them every year. I just post like those stats. Um, it wasn't an insane amount. There was probably like, if I remember correctly, and I don't know, it's probably like a little over like a million visits a year or something. Okay. Uh, which or I think something along those lines, which sounds like a lot, but it really isn't for like a blog. Uh, or actually, it's a million. Hmm, I wonder. 
something like that. I think, like that's that's think it is. That's pretty good. <laughs> I think that's pretty good, dude. Yeah, but then like if you have like a Tumblr that like, uh, mm, yeah, no, I think maybe it's not even a million. Um, so the funny thing is that most people visit the content through Tumblr. So you don't actually see the blog itself, which is also really unfortunate if you're trying to make money off the yeah, blog. That's weird. Yeah, because they just have the Tumblr feed, right? And that's where they get your content. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, I think that's also why a lot of people use WordPress because every single person that wants to read your blog will go to your blog website and do it. Um, so there was like a big thing about Tumblr, which in the beginning I was a little bit frustrated by, but then the more, I, the less I was interested in making money off it, the less I was like, why does it even matter? If it's easier for people to read it this way, I should just yeah, give it to them this way. Hmm. So back to gardening. Back to gardening, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for a while, uh, before I moved out to San Francisco, I was super into gardening. I, I, I didn't was know obsessed. That. I spent so much money. I, I in Minnesota, took a lot. Yeah. So we had this giant south-facing window at our like we had a, we had a big apartment in Minnesota because it's cheap as hell there. So we had this great loft, big like eighteen by eighteen foot window with like a, like a two foot deep windowsill, so we could like just put stuff in the window and it was fine. It all ended very abruptly when we went away for two weeks and everything burned to a crisp. But for for a long time, it was really great. We could even grow in the winter because it was like nice and warm inside it. But no, I, I think of cooking as a design challenge, like where you have like a set of tools and you've got a set of resources and like you have to solve a certain problem. So this is something yeah. I've been thinking about for a long time. Sarah's like, you should talk about the design thing with cooking. <laughs> everything is design. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. If, okay, it's like if everything is special, nothing is special. Everything is designed, nothing is designed. <laughs> so is nothing designed? Minimalism. Hashtag minimalism. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Minimalist gardening, just pots. Yeah. Just, just empty pots. <laughs> so what are you growing that you're really excited about other than the tomatoes? Um, it's a whole bunch of stuff. So I literally just went like the full like kind of like, um, I figured out as much diversity as possible. There's this concept called companion planting. So mm -hmm. I've been listening to all these like audiobooks on the way to work. Like, <laughs> are there guard audio guard books on gardening? There's, gardening a book, there's a book about just companion planting, and it's about it's like an it's like an audiobook. So I listened to the whole thing, which is very hard to do while you're walking and listening like like a few hundred plant combinations. Uh, there's not a good way to read a book like that, but it was still really uh, interesting. So yeah, the companion planting thing is all about like. Sure, there's some some amazing some amazing reference to management, but uh, <laughs> you put like the the different plants together, kind of, um, and they kind of like help each other, attracting certain barks that like help the other plant from not getting any pests. Plant pair programming. Yeah, plant pair programming. So you put like a flower next to <laughs> no like, bugs. I, I heard no bugs. <laughs> right, <laughs> no bugs. You put like a flower next to like uh, a cucumber plant. The flower is going to attract the bees. Also, that's a cucumber plant, of course, but it's going to attract more bees. So the bees are going to, like, you know, um, pollinate the cucumber plant more because they've already been attracted by the other flower and they're going to be in the same area and see the cucumber flowers and then pollinate all those things. So there's a bunch of, like, those kind of, like, theories um, and about, like, fending off certain diseases and, like, um, scaring off, like, bad pests or attracting, like, you know, like, predatory insects that eat other pests. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. So I kind of like try to try to kind of do that whole method. Um, and it's also from really careful things you need to be careful about. You don't want to plant two plants that make it difficult for each other to grow. That's also what a lot of people do by accident. So that's mm -hmm. kind of anti-companion planting. Um, so yeah, that's a yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. So I just went from like um, I have zucchinis, uh, eggplant is coming through now, um, like arugula, dill, a whole bunch of pickles. Pickled most of those pickles. Uh, like there's some carrots, some radish, some beans. Uh, there were strawberries. They stopped really early for some reason. Um, there's peppers. Um, peppers were always really easy for me. Yeah, peppers are indeed the easiest by far. Like yeah. they just keep growing for yeah. some reason. It just takes a really long time for them to change the color from green to something else. Yep. 
So I thought they were green peppers, but then <laughs> I realized that they just weren't ready yet. Although you could totally eat them, but it took like another month or two for them to actually turn color, which is crazy because you can already eat them. Um, so yeah, now they're turning color. How do you have room for all this in New York? Yeah, it's crazy. I just got really lucky. So um, we kind of have like, you can walk out of our window onto our neighbor's roof, basically, uh, which is basically like some unofficial balcony kind of situation. Uh, and <laughs> unofficial yeah. balcony situation. Yeah, it's it's a little bit, uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's fine. It's kind of like... <laughs> I think it's fine. My landlord doesn't know, but... It's kind of like one of those don't ask, don't tell kind of situations. <laughs> I think that has a different meaning. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. It's Slightly <laughs> different context. Probably, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it works, so. Cool. Um, is there anything else like you're interested in, in learning or maybe on the design side, like other things you want to pick up? I don't know if you're... Not the design side. Nothing is design. So, uh, on the nothing side, what are you interested in? On the side of the world, uh, the side of the UN experience. Um, yeah, I think... Um, I don't know. I think like... There's a lot of things in terms of prototyping and trying to get really close to the end user experience as soon as possible in the process. Uh, I think that's always something I've been super interested in. Um, so yeah, you know, figuring out new ways to do that, um, using new tools to just get really close to that, and uh, like really early on, so you can actually like, you know, create a better experience through those to to work in that way. Um, that's a big thing. I'm definitely trying to get better at. I'm also trying to learn some of those things myself again as like an individual, um, so I can actually like create prototypes using like framer and stuff and that's like uh something i've like totally dropped the ball on that so, i see is addictive man yeah so i gotta at least learn their skills i feel so uh again so i know how other people are using it uh, yeah. but that's you know that's something i'm definitely like haven't had much time for i know it's sort of hard to like track the future because you don't know what's going to happen but it seems like you keep <laughs> nudging back towards the ic role like do you ever want to get back into that or start your own thing um yeah i mean I'll definitely I definitely plan on starting like more companies in this lifetime uh just as like a thing because I really enjoy doing it um I think next couple of years I'm definitely like 100% committed to like gonna like be like uh like a leader on the design team at Etsy so that's just something I'm like super focused on um and then I think uh in terms of I see work I don't see myself doing I see work uh in the next couple of years uh but I would totally not be against doing it later uh and I'll probably be terrible at it later. So that's the thing is like if you don't keep up with it for so long, you're gonna miss. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's stressful or not to think about. You know, the Framer Wave or Quartz Composer Origami. Yeah, well, they're I mean, all gonna get bought up, but it won't matter. Yeah, they're all, all gonna they're be all leaving up. the market. <laughs> are, they are basically all. Are there yeah. any independent prototyping tools? Framer, Framer and Envision. Framer. Yeah, they're both independent. Yep. Um, Everything else has been bought up pretty much. Well, there's also a bunch of other things like. Um, there's this tool called Webflow. Is it bought already by someone? Oh yeah, Webflow. There's a whole bunch of things like that too. There are kind of like prototype. I think Proto.io as yeah. well. Web, oh, and then there's like Atomic.io. Yep. Yeah. But that's like brand new. Yeah, but I think uh, I think that's totally fine. Like I think if you want to be an IC after you become a manager, it just means you're gonna have a lot to learn, which I think is always a good thing to get into something new. So I don't, I'm not looking up against having to learn a lot to become good at that again. It's just like. I think naturally part of it. Even now as a manager, I have to learn a ton of things that you know that I would at the same time uh, be learning as an IC if I decide to do that afterwards. So right. I think it's just all about like you know wanting to learn those things when you need it. Uh, Why do you guys think Google bought, is buying all the prototyping tools? Uh, well, I think one, there's a lot of talented people working on them. <laughs> That's very true. Part of my guess, uh, and I think 
I think it's pretty clear that hmm, maybe not. I'm just, I'm just going to say something about like I think the market for tooling and like the amount of money people make from like creating tools, including Adobe and like all these kind of companies. Um, and the frustration I think that a lot of these big companies have with the tools they use today. I think all those things together probably make a pretty compelling reason to have like you know people that are in-house creating tools that exactly match the needs of your company. And if you have the amount of designers that Google has, I think you want to have people building tools for those people that are really good at their work. And you're probably not going to like stumble on them unless they're already showing that they're actually good at that stuff. Very specifically for them to like Quartz Composer is it's built for Apple, right? Right. Like Apple built it for themselves. I've I've heard that they have an internal tool called Mica, I think, as well. <laughs> it's it's oft rumored. Yeah. But S- secret tool. That I mean, sucks. I wish those secret tools would be not so secret. There's a lot open of source Brian. Yeah. yeah. I mean origami, right? Yeah. What about origami? That's just for free. That's yeah, but it's hard as shit. And it's also not all of what Facebook has. So don't give me that crap. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, I think every company, more than like 100 people or something, probably has like a range of internal tools that they are only using for themselves. That if, you know, I mean, it makes sense, but yeah, <laughs> it yeah, sucks for the rest of the world. Yeah, I know. That's, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's also extremely Why painful, doesn't everyone just open source everything? Why and not can't make money off of it? be free, guys. <laughs> Live in a design utopia. <laughs> design utopia. Did you ever go on designer news? No. I think they were just driving nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so no. I don't uh no, don't do those things. That's probably yeah. That's what's one of the opinions that's driving you nuts right now? Who um set the record straight, Flores. Set the record straight. I don't know. Maybe like for example, I don't think I'll ever ask again should designers code. What's the answer, Brian? It depends. I yeah, think, I think the answer is who gives a fuck. Just do what you want to do and get it done. Okay, well that's the more aggressive answer to to my. No, that's that's less aggressive. Uh, yeah, it doesn't depend. Just don't spend time with it. Just just do what you want to do. Done. There's always a cycle of like people identifying like a new thing that designers should or should not be doing. Um, and then the first couple of posts are going to be about that they should or that they should not do it. And then the next range of posts is going to be all about like uh, the opposite. That depends, or the opposite, or depends on like <laughs> what goal you're trying to accomplish. And then everyone realizes and and hugs each other and is like, if you want to, if it's going to help you achieve your goal, you should probably do it. If not, you probably should not do it. Yeah, uh, it seems like a lot of design pieces are just converging towards. Well, it depends on the context and who you're working for, and do what right. you need to do, and nothing else. Yeah, I think a lot of. Uh, that's also when people look at each other's design teams. They always try to compare and um, you know figure out who's like the best design team. I think like any function in any company, a design team is there to serve a purpose connected to the the point of that company, right? So it's kind of uh, it would be very strange to compare an Etsy design team to um, like a Facebook one because right. it's it serves an entirely different purpose for what the company is trying to achieve. Uh, and I think a lot of people, you know, I think also underestimate like. That also depends. Uh, <laughs> it's like we're designing the Etsy design team to be useful for Etsy right. uh, in what it's trying to achieve. And that's something very different than how we look at any other company. And that's also why we think it's important to code as a designer. <laughs> you should blog about this, dude. <laughs> yeah, I thought about sometimes putting all Little these... Little big opinions. <laughs> Little big opinions. Uh, blog Just without. one sentence design <laughs> opinions. That's actually a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, the no, opposite of design Switzerland. Yeah. No, I've, uh, I'm kind of in the phase where <laughs> this is actually one of the first things I've done in a long time in terms of talking about design, even in public. Uh, I used to do a bunch of these kind of talks and stuff. And then, uh, I don't know, I just kind of got to a phase hashtag where... Hashtag thought leadership, man. Yeah, hashtag thought leadership. It's something I've... <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Are you, are you just 
jaded by everything right now or you got tired of doing it um well i realized that every time i look at something i did like more than a year ago i find incredibly stupid so uh, <laughs> that's a very good sign that's that's, that's okay <laughs> so that is one thing i was like hmm should probably take it easy for a while uh, I've, look, I've seen some of your stuff from over a year ago it's not incredibly stupid <laughs> no it's pretty good like your stuff on dribble is great but you also dislike the dribble thing, right? Like you mentioned that. Uh, no, dribble is, I mean, I think it's awesome for the purpose that it serves. Um, it's just like, yeah, you want to make sure, again, like everything, like it's, it's there to, uh, it depends what you're using it it's for. It's another one of those opinions that people go back and forth on the dribbleization. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Like I love looking at people's work on dribble. Um, but also, yeah, it's important to realize what it's for. And it's like, uh, it's, yeah, it's a very specific part of design. Yeah. Brian, you had a little... Um, dribble blow up this week how'd that go for you <laughs> i had some angry comments on one of my my dribs the mantia came at you my shots yeah i don't know i you got policed on dribble for i got policed on dribble and i think one of the admins like essentially hid hid my shot from being seen in feeds this is a troll shot you like, got shadow banned oh my god you I, got shadow banned. i think i did get shadow banned <laughs> on dribble uh amazing well i started at facebook and you know, I don't know if this was dumb or not, but I posted... Just, you braggy asshole. <laughs> I posted the Facebook logo and ju it's just like, hey, I'm starting a dribble yeah. uh, at Facebook. And uh, some people were not happy that I did that. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> there were so many comments. There was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth about like, this This is misleading. And I think it maybe was because the shot ended up like on the popular page. And so then Dribble took it down and like all this stuff. Wait, so they thought you created a Facebook logo? Yeah. That's what they were or saying. A few people said they thought they, you did. They said it was they misleading better. because you're supposed to post your own work. The number one rule is post your own work. Yeah. They were arguing that I was using it like Twitter. Just trying to keep it honest, man. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I bet half the listeners listening to this are like, wow, Brian's an idiot. He shouldn't have done that. And I bet the other half's like, who cares? It's not a big deal. Hey, like, hey, like, uh, like the, opinions or something. A, a, a dribble is in many ways like our portfolio. Like when you apply to a job, they want to, s the field is literally what's your uh, link to a PDF or link to a dribble. So in many ways, it's like kind of the story of how I've kind of evolved over time and I don't mind putting it there, but uh, yeah, I can see yeah. how Are you using dribble as a misleading. yearbook or something? <laughs> well, dude, you like can, a scrapbook? Uh, it's designer well, show and sure. tell, man. <laughs> scrapbook? I don't know. Works in progress, bro. Wait, you're using it as if it is Facebook already. <laughs> Yeah. I think there's a better product for that. Yeah. It's a good point. You know, I don't know. I'm going to leave it because I feel like it's just a chronological view of how I've grown as design now. And now that will be the break between like things I get to work on at Facebook and Lovin' just got some hating. Yeah. No one's going to see it anyway. It's, it's already shadow banned. So. Well, I, I replied to Manti. I was like, sorry if that was confusing. And he just said, haters going to hate. So I think he kind of knew he was getting a little bit like into the weeds yeah. on this argument. But, uh, Anyways, let's stop talking about this. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable yet? Yeah, a little bit. Maybe people can tweet their thoughts. Should I? Brian doesn't do all the controversy. <laughs> Should I not post that? Yeah. Let, what is it? Fave for yes, retweet for no? <laughs> <laughs> tweet at me. I don't know. What do you think? Would you uh, tweet a company logo if you... Or dribble if, a company if, if logo? If I saw you post it, I would get very angry. Seriously? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> shit uh yeah i mean i think i have no idea if that's supposed to be on dribble or not i think uh 
I don't see a problem with it. Maybe it's not. It's a very yeah. diplomatic answer. Very Switzerland of <laughs> Yeah, I know. You don't want to you don't want to offend me right now, but in the back of your head you're like, wow, that was a- I was one of those people that commented actually I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you hacked Louis' account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um so we expect little big opinions to come soon. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna make a comeback. Well the thing about like these medium posts that we've been talking about and like can't avoid you can't avoid them a lot of it's a little bit fluffy but at the same time like what would it look like if nobody was writing anything and i think that's probably a worse scenario i don't know what do you think um yeah i've actually been i think i have a little bit i like i think i have a pretty clear picture of what i would do if i would do it i think um it's something we um we talk a lot about at etsy as well which is kind of like these different levels of um kind of like how you can help people be better at their work like as a manager there's like the coaching part which is like asking questions and like asking open questions and like trying to help people get through their own problems and stuff um and then it's like the mentorship thing which is basically like here's what how did i here's how i did it when i had the same problem or like kind of like sharing experiences and like uh you know it's actually pretty simple then it's like a whole another bunch of things you can do like uh like challenging people and like all the other all the other stuff and um so yeah i would probably only write in terms of like mentorship because on the one hand if i write something really stupid I won't actually have to say whether it was a good thing or not that I did that. <laughs> I can just say that that's what I did when I, when I was facing those kind of problems in the situation I was in. And I do think sharing those experiences is super valuable for people in general. So um, like I definitely want to, uh, you know, I think that's, I definitely want to encourage people that share their experiences. That's super awesome. Yeah. Uh, for good or bad, it was in your experience, right? Like it's something that you did to yeah. get to where you are now. You can just take it for what it is. Um, you know, that's kind of stuff. I definitely no opinions given. This is just what it is. <laughs> this is what happened. Little big details. Uh, little big details. Uh, yeah, that's. I think I'll, that's probably the one. Also, the, the things I like reading most is like, here's what we did, and here's why it worked for us, and like, that's it. And you shouldn't do it yourself. Case study. Uh, yeah, case studies, things like that. I think those are definitely the most useful things for me. Um, the least useful are usually uh, the things that say you should do this or like uh, this is a better way to do X. Those kind of things usually, I think don't make a lot of sense i saw a blog post today about what was it it was an app and and basically the premise was this app's ux sucks and here's what they should do instead and there were no (laughs) mock-ups there was no anything it was just like this is bad this is bad this is bad i suggest avenir as a new font for it and that's it (laughs) it was be me uh that casey neistat's new app be me have you guys played with that wait that's a bad app be me I haven't they, they said that the user experience was bad because the the fonts weren't super readable and like the buttons weren't obvious. I gotta use Avenir. Gotta be unique and use Avenir. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never used this. I have no idea. Um, yeah, those are probably some of the least useful things. That's also why I think uh, I think in general talking about things that are not good is I don't know. This it's a lot less useful than talking about things that are good. Uh, because or, or even talking about something like constructive. Yeah. I've one one blog post I've been wanting to write for the last couple of years is uh a blog post that literally goes through like a number of graphic design patterns that are like by default bad. Like in any situation. Um like one what? of them being like text on top of like um a transparent gray image on the background. Like uh imagine like a vector shape that's like light gray behind like black text. That's like my one of my biggest pet peeves in design, which is like just like this ridiculous um, choice that people make to like make something look more appealing in some bizarre way. Um, so basically, just I like can't, I can't picture. All right, so imagine a white page with black text. Take um, done. Take a take a <laughs> take a let's say let's say um, 
a shape of a of a lamp. Done. It's a vector shape. <laughs> it's pure black. You're gonna move it down to five percent opacity. Put it behind the black text because the text is about lamps. So you want to put like a, a vector shape of a lamp behind it, and then you make the text less readable and looking terrible because like light gray shapes behind text look terrible. Who does this? It's like a very common design pattern to have like a shape behind some text to kind of make it look better. Rookie move designers. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. There are some of these things that are just like by default terrible and you should never ever do. So I think about the block where it just has like those very like things that where you're like, who would ever do that? But it happens so much still. Growth that hackers. Is. Growth hackers. Uh, <laughs> they, they love transparent <laughs> images on the background. Uh, <laughs> Can we just make up myths about growth hackers? <laughs> that's really good thing we do. Yeah, it's definitely a good growth hacking move. <laughs> or maybe I'll name it like 10 growth hacks you should always do. Uh, and just, yeah, just give it a different title. Yes. <laughs> Satire. Nice. Growth hack your blog posts. Are you only paying attention to like bad graphic design patterns or do you pay attention to like bad product design um, patterns as well? Well, the graphic design ones are a little bit more straightforward uh, and I feel to be more useful to people. Whereas the, the UX patterns uh, or like how things work... Uh, Again, it's so hard to say the context of something, whether something is good or bad. And like, yeah, that's so complicated. I would, I would find it much harder to write a post like that. And I think for some graphic design things, it's just like, just don't do it. I feel like to dig into a lot of the UX stuff, you basically have to be in the case where they were designing it. Like you have to be in that place because there's so many business decisions that go into it. Yeah. And there's like, th there's more than one user experience. You know what I mean? Like there's different user groups that you have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like you can't have a full assessment of it unless you're like in that spot. So, yeah. sh I guess shut up. <laughs> like, so, critique shouldn't exist. <laughs> no, critique should exist. But I'm just saying, like, you don't have the full picture. So be a little more graceful. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm with you there. Yeah, that's not something I usually say. Usually, I'm like, no, it's clearly black and white. I'm you're very being surprised an asshole. Right now. <laughs> yeah, you're actually saying to be nice. <laughs> well, this is blowing my mind. Like, critique should also not be about telling people what they shouldn't be doing. It should be about like constructive. Like, yeah, constructive feedback. And like, um, and this black group would be exactly about telling people what they shouldn't be doing. Uh, so, yeah. And then hashtag growth hacking trips. Yeah. Tricks. <laughs> hashtag growth hacking, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll look forward to the blog post then. One day. Little big opinions. Yeah. That's, <laughs> they'll be the blog. They'll be the blog name, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. And well, we're running out of time. Uh, before we end things, is there anything you want to plug? Um, We've already plugged little big details. Yeah, we already plugged little This details. whole thing was uh, one big like native ad. Okay, I'll do a totally shameless plug. Uh, so like we talked about before, we're totally building like a really awesome product design team here. So, you know, just want to bring it up if you're interested. You want to come work in, uh, in California, <laughs> San Francisco. Etsy. For Etsy. That's, that's it. That's where it's happening. All right. We'll send some people your way. You can go, you can go look at flea markets in Oakland <laughs> and then sell that stuff online. That's really your opinion. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for coming on, man. Cool. Thanks for having me. Hey, Brian. Hey, Bren. Can you believe we finished 48 episodes? It's a lot of episodes. It is. If you released one episode every single month for four years, that would be 48 episodes. That would be really far between episodes, too. So I'm glad we did it in a little over seven months. That was fun. If you enjoyed the show, you can hit us up on Twitter. We love to chat about it, hear your feedback comments criticisms complaints 
suggestions, concerns. Uh, we have an open DM inbox, so that's at designdetailsfm. Uh, also check out spec.fm. That's our new network to help designers and developers level up. We have a partner podcast, Developer T. You should check out if you are interested in programming. And we have a couple more shows coming, which we're really excited about. They're going to be awesome. So if you're interested in those, we have a newsletter. Uh, sign up at the top of spec.fm. And finally, before we go, huge thank you to our sponsors. Our first sponsor, Dropbox. Dropbox is seriously the best way to sync and backup your files between devices and just as a safety backup. It has previous versions. It has all these awesome tools that you need when you're syncing things up. They're doing the best job in the syncing game. So if you haven't started already, dropbox.com, go check it out. There's a free version and there's another version that's like 10 bucks a month. It's fantastic though. We've we've been paying for it for years. So go check it out, dropbox.com. Thanks once again to Dropbox. Also, huge thanks to Icon Finder for making this show possible. Icon Finder is the largest source of premium vector icons on the web. If you are working on a design project and you need icons, just go to iconfinder.com and find the perfect icon for whatever you're working on. All of their files come in every file type, so PNGs, SVGs. They're going to work in Sketch, Illustrator, Photoshop, directly on the web. It really is an amazing service. They're supporting the designers that create these icons by paying back 70% of the monthly revenue that comes from Icon Finder Pro. So go sign up for that. It's uh, a monthly subscription service and use the promo code ROBOT to save 50% off your first month. Huge thank you to Icon Finder. We'll see you on Wednesday with Anand Sharma.